Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us again to continue our walk through James. Today we will learn about the importance of dealing with anger and how to do it in a righteous way and how to bring people to Jesus. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. All right, as you grab your seats, fellers, as you grab your seats, please grab your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We are in James chapter 1. We are still, that's right, in James chapter 1. So we're going to be looking, uh, starting in verse 19. So we're in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. If, and if you started with us at the very beginning, you know John Mark kind of, he kicked us off and we started just a little bit about the introduction of James, who he was, a little bit of history. And then we got right into kind of going through trials and different tribulations. And then as you move through the book of James, at least James chapter 1, as you move through James chapter 1, you see that, we, that there are trials, tribulations, and then James talks about having wisdom Okay, and gaining wisdom, and it is through those trials and tribulations that we either gain wisdom or we go and we find wisdom, and then we take that wisdom, we take that information that we've learned, and we apply it to whatever it is we are going through, whatever it is we are struggling with. And then as you read and continue to read on through James chapter 1, verses 10 through 18, James talks about perseverance, and he talks about, hey, just keeping on plugging at it, and that the, the rewards at the end of going through those trials, going through those tribulations, taking that wisdom, that knowledge that you have gained and applying it, there is a reward at the end. And then when you get into verse 19, James begins to talk about the practical applications. Oh, here we go. The practical applications, okay, of when we react to different situations. And one of those things is anger. And so James really moves into uh, a lot of practical things that we as dudes, we can apply to our lives today. And one of those things is the issue. There are actually two things we're going to talk about today. One of those things is the issue of anger, which for a lot of us, I think as dudes, we we tend to maybe pop off a little too much. Are y'all with me on that? I mean, I'm just kind of one of those guys. And this is really an issue for me in my life I struggle with. As a matter of fact, my wife, she'll say, why, why are you so angry? You know, and, and, and she'll point that out. She'll be like, you're just kind of, you're just kind of angry. You, 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 it's just like flame to powder keg. And then I just blow up. Is anybody like flame to powder keg kind of guy here? Okay, there's a few dudes like that. There are other guys that are just calm, cool. You're slow to anger. Nothing ruffles your feathers. I hate you guys. Okay. <laughs> I want to be like you. I want to be like you. But I struggle with that. And, and so... Uh, for me, in James, he really addresses a lot in, in, in later in later on chapters about the issue of anger. And so today we're going to kind of introduce it. And some of the things that we talk about today, personally, me, I try to apply to my life every single day. Okay, every single day. I try to apply these things to my life because I know that they are beneficial, not only to me, but also it is God honoring. And so as we look in James Chapter 1, starting in verse 19, let's just read the first couple of verses there. And it says this, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. So what James is saying is what I'm about to tell you is very important. So important that you should probably write this down. Okay, so guys, I want to encourage you. Write this down. 
Because what I'm about to tell you are not my words, but these are God's words. This is God telling us, okay, through James, how to handle anger. And so take good notes. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Let's just stop right there. And if there's if we're going to have a point, let's just let's just mention this right here is if you're taking notes, here's the thought, slow down. When you read this, the thing that I gather from it is, hey, pump the brakes and slow down. Look at what it says. Take note of this in verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Twice, James says, slow down. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Anger is not a bad thing when it is done right. Anger is not a bad thing when it is done right. But for a majority of people, we have a problem with anger and it is done unbiblically. It is done completely wrong. And their anger can be justified through their actions and it can be justified by the way they feel. But is that truly right? Is that the way God wants us to be able to handle anger? And here's the reality. God says, hey, listen, being angry is not that's not a bad thing. It's how you handle your anger. It's what you do with that anger that dishonors God, that puts you in a bad spotlight. Look at what verse 20 says. It says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So it's okay to be angry, but it has to be anger that produces rightness. In other words, it's got to be done in the right way. We must respond in the right way. God wants us, if we're going to be angry, God wants to do us in a God-honoring fashion. If you look here at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verse 22, Jesus is saying this. He says, But if I tell you that anyone is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or a sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. That word raka that Jesus uses right there, it's a derogatory expression. It means empty-headed. That's what it means. It means empty-headed, inferring that a person is either stupid or inferior to you. In other words, they are beneath you. Some of you might know this, some of you don't. Uh, we have a, uh, an international student living with us in our home. Uh, no, it's not Sloan's. This is another person. Uh, we, have an inter- we have an international student living with us. Uh, she's Vietnamese. She's about like four, she's four foot high. She's a little bitty thing. And um, 
and she's just fun to, to, to learn from. And what we are trying to do around the house is kind of learn some Vietnamese. And so we've come up with this little thing every Sunday during family dinner. Um, she is supposed to teach us a word or a phrase, and that is the word or phrase of the week that we have to use. Well, we were in conversation, and my daughter asked this question. She said, uh, uh, Katie, what, what is, uh, what's, what's the word for an idiot in Vietnamese? <laughs> and Katie said, oh, it's, it, it's Danu. I think I'm pronouncing that right. But she said, it's Danu. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that, that's a great. And then my daughter looks right at my son and says, Culp is Danu. <laughs> she said, Colt is an idiot. And, uh, well, you know, we kind of got a little laugh out of that. Colt didn't think it was funny at all. But that's kind of been our word of the week is Danu. So we'll yell at each other, Danu! <laughs> And, uh, you know, but idiot is not, it's not really an uplifting word, is it? I don't like being called an idiot. You definitely don't like being called an idiot. No, nobody likes to be called a Danu, okay? Just doesn't work out that well for each one of us. And what, what does Jesus say? He says, hey, listen, don't be angry with your brother or sister. Don't be calling each other a bonehead. As a matter of fact, don't take it a step further and call somebody stupid or inferior or an idiot. Jesus is saying that this is, a, is an offensive name, calling a brother or sister that. And Jesus warns us, hey, listen, don't be using that kind of language because what it does is it is going to incur punishment from the law on us. I like what Benjamin Franklin, he said this, anger is never without a reason, but seldom with a good one. Anger is never without a reason, but seldom with a good one. And as much as I would like to sit here and talk about anger and how it eats away at us, how it causes us to do things and to say things that we are going to regret later. Rather, let's talk about what James says and how to handle it, how to deal with it. Because if you look there in verse 19, he gives us some instruction. It says, everyone must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So we have a recipe. What James says is he doesn't just say, hey guys, don't be angry. Rather, he says, here is the recipe in dealing with with our anger. Here's a recipe in how you deal with just people in general, because let's be honest, we will go out and on our way to work, somebody in their car will make you angry. Are you with me on that? So yeah, okay, I got some amens, y'all are with me. All right, someone's gonna make you angry. Someone's gonna cause you to blow a gasket. And that's before you get to work, and that's probably gonna be before 8 a.m. in the morning. And so you're already going to start your day off angry. And we don't want that to happen. So here we go. James gives us three steps to deal with the anger. First of all, understand the situation. Understand the situation. What does he say? He says, everyone should be quick to listen. Too many times when something comes up, we do not hear the whole situation. We just immediately react. We just immediately, we hear someone, oh my gosh, what in the world? Well, you didn't hear the whole story. 
a lot of times we just get pieces of the story. Y'all with me on that? And then with those small little pieces of the story that we have, we automatically jump to a conclusion. We automatically jump to the conclusion. We become quick to pass the blame. And the reason why we become quick to pass the blame is because we figure if we can pass the blame quick enough, then guess what? No fingers are going to point at me because just maybe I might have been a cause of the situation too, right? Y'all with me on that? Maybe I did something to contribute to the situation. And now I want to pass that blame on to somebody else. Give me enough information to blame someone else, but not enough information to incriminate me in it. Be careful. And so for us, what does he say? Everyone should be quick to listen. What does James say? He said, hey, get all of the information first before you begin to pass judgment. I like what Romans 2, 1 through 4 says. It says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on somebody else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment, you do the same things. Guess what? The same things. The people that make me angry, guess what? I do the exact same thing to other people. And guess what? I make them angry. I do the same thing to my wife, to my coworkers, that other people do to me. What does it say in verse 2? Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human, begin to pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you not think that you will escape God's Judgment, Or do you show contempt for the riches, look at this, of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Man, God, I am so thankful God is not like fire to powder cake, right? Because I tell you what, some of the things I've done, he could have just gone ahead and wiped me off the face of this earth. And yet God chose not to become angry with me. Rather, instead, what does he do? He loves me. He looks at me and says, I know you messed up. And I, he has a holy, righteous reason to be angry with me and the things that I have done to offend him. He has good reason to be angry with me. Yet God chooses out of his love and out of his kindness to not be angry with me, rather to love me, to show me grace, all for the purpose of drawing me to him. Man, I want to, I just want to encourage you. Anger is one of those things where we can either, in our anger, draw people to Jesus and point them to him, or we can push them away from Jesus. And so we have a choice. We can either allow our anger to point people to Jesus or we can cause it to push them away. And I tell you what, this really hits in my home because when I become angry, I can either draw my kids, I can either draw my wife to Jesus in my anger or I can push them away. Let's be honest. More than not, I'm pushing them away from Jesus. And that convicts me. 
That hurts me to know that God has called me to lead my family, and yet in my anger, I push them away from Jesus. I cause them hurt and suffering and pain. And so let us be careful. Let us walk in understanding instead of jumping to conclusions. Proverbs 18, 2 and 13, it says this, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Look at that, verse 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding. Man, guys, when we get into a situation, when anger begins to boil up in us, it would be wise for us to just say, well, let's, let's just wait and hear all the facts. Let's wait and let's just get all the information. Instead of jumping to a conclusion, let's just hold back and let's just wait and see. Just wait. This leads us to our second thought about anger, and that's this, is choose your words carefully. So first of all, get all the facts. Second of all, choose your words carefully. Carefully, be slow to speak. Words can either cut us down or build us up. And James is going to elaborate much more on the tongue in chapter 3. But words out of anger do not build up. You know that words out of anger do not build each other up. Uh, Justin Frazier, in his anger has never walked into my office and said, Justin, Hill House, you are so smart. He's never said that in anger. <laughs> he's never said that in anger. Has he ever said it? No, he's never said it at all, whether in anger or not in anger. If you're angry at somebody, you're never building them up. You're always cutting them down, aren't you? You just pull out the, the axe and you start chopping that wood. And you just go to town. Uh, there's a song, it's an old song back in the, in the 70s. I forgot who, who sung it. But um, the, the verse basically goes, um, you're a lumberjack baby. Uh, you like to cut everybody down. And in the background, you know what I'm talking about. You've heard that song, right? It, it's classic song. It's this dude, and she's like, you love a jack, baby. And in the background, you just hear this, uh, this chainsaw going, ring, 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 ring. You know, you're going to cut everybody down. And uh, I can sing it more afterwards, but. Don't. Don't? don't? Okay. Don't. All right. Thank you. You're a blessing. Anyway, uh, uh, what is that song talking about? In short, the, the song is just constantly talking, hey, this lady is constantly just cutting people down, chopping them down. When, when you are angry with somebody, there's no way you are building them up. Everything that comes out of your mouth, all of your actions has to do with them and pointing at them and their insecurities, their inferiority. It is all about how bad they are. And when we walk in and we're angry, we are going to point out every single thing that is wrong and nothing that is right. And I just kind of want to point this out is when you're getting torn down, 
you're going to go into one of two modes. You're either going to go into fight or flight. If you're being attacked and you're being torn down, guess what? You're going to turn around and you're automatically going to fight back or you're just going to run away. You'll either shut down or you'll fight. One of the two things will happen. Either way, it's not good. Because either way, whatever is going on immediately in your brain and in your heart, everything just becomes closed up and you move into a defensive position. Because why? Somebody's attacking you. Or why? Because you are attacking someone else. And that is how things escalate so quickly. It's because you're attacking or you're in the defensive and you're going to do whatever it takes to get out of that situation or to walk away and it at least be a draw or you win. Proverbs 29, 20 says this. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. Choose your words carefully. When it takes, when I have to choose my words carefully, guess what? It forces me to take time and it forces me to slow down. It forces me to slow down. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, the discerning if they hold their tongues. I love that verse. That's why I stay quiet a lot around the office. I don't want people to know I'm a bonehead. Justin, what do you think? I don't know. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. I love that verse. Guys, silence, <laughs> silence can be good. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you, if somebody's coming at you, just be quiet. Just sit there and nod. Understand the situation. Be careful with your words and what you say. Ecclesiastes 9.17, the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Colossians 4.6, select your conversation. Be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. How are you going to know how to answer everyone? By sitting there and listening to everything, by understanding the whole situation, and then by carefully choosing your words. This is probably the hardest thing to do because it's so easy just to pop back, so easy to be sarcastic, so easy to go into that defensive position and attack rather than just saying, okay, let, let's understand the whole situation first and then to carefully choose your words. Proverbs 10, 19. Sin is not ended by multiplying words. Boy, sometimes we get, we get to going and we just talk and 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 talk. And where does it lead us? It leads us nowhere. It gets us nowhere. It says, but the prudent hold their tongues. Words are important. And so we need to use them carefully and let us use them carefully with each other. I just want to encourage you, start in your home. Start with your wife. Start with your kids. Start being gentle with them. Start being careful with them in what you say because I guarantee you, your kids are going to cause you to be angry. Can I get an amen, right? Your kids are going to cause you to blow up, okay? 
And this is great practice. Because if I can handle it with my kids, then guess what? The office is going to be real easy. Y'all know what I mean? If I can handle it with my wife, then guess what? The ball field is going to be much, much easier. And so start at home. Start listening to your wife. Start listening to your kids. Understand the whole situation. Earlier this weekend, my son, who has been instructed multiple times to not eat upstairs. Guess what I found? Food upstairs. Y'all with me on that? So angry. You know why? Because for 15 years of his life, and mind you, he is 15, so this has been pretty regular. 15 years of his life, I have said over and over and over, no food out of the kitchen. You know why? Because it stains mama's floor. And if mama's floor gets stained, somebody's in trouble, right? And so I have told my children over and over and over again, no food upstairs. And guess what? Bonehead, he ate some food upstairs. And I found out about it. And the worst is he tried to sneak it. You know what I mean? Tried to sneak it upstairs and he did. Then he got caught because there was chocolate on the floor and it had made a little stain. Y'all with me on this? I'm mad. I said, son, what in the world? And I knew I was preaching this sermon today. (laughs) He had no good reason, except he was hungry. And I said, I love you, but don't tell your mom you did this. (laughs) And that was the end of the conversation. Sunday afternoon, he comes back because I said, you know, I should be angry with you, but I'm going to let it slide. But we're not going to tell your mom, and you're going to clean up that state. He comes back Sunday afternoon and goes, hey, Dad, thanks for not getting angry with me. Because you had a right to be, because I knew better. Now, I could have laid into him. But instead, I sat back. I was thinking about specifically about James. And I was like, okay, we could either do this one of two ways. I can either blow up at him, which I had a good legal right to blow up at him because he's known for 15 years not to take food upstairs. But instead, you know what I said? I said, you know what? I've, I've taken food upstairs too. <laughs> Some of those stains on the floor are mine. He was probably hungry. Let's show a little grace. And so instead of blowing up at him, I just said, hey, you know what? Man, I love you. Let's just, let's just clean this up and let's just fix it. When there was an opportunity to tear him down and to point out to him all the wrong stuff that he had done, instead, the conversation changed to being just calm and, hey, we have a problem now. There's nothing we could do to fix it in the past, but guess what? We can fix it right now. So instead of dwelling on the past things and all the bad stuff that you've done and all the food that you've snuck up here before without me knowing about, let's just focus on this one issue and that's the stain right now on the floor. Let's just address the issue and then let's move on. And let's move on. 
And that, that was grace, but that was grace because guess what? God has given me so much grace, men. You know that? God's given me a lot of grace. He's given me a lot of mercy. God could put his thumb on me and point out all the bad things I have done. And yet he says, instead of look at all the wrong stuff you have done, you know what he says to me? He chooses his words carefully and he says, I love you. Man, what a game changer. And what would happen if somebody comes to us and makes us mad and instead of popping off at them, instead we go, you know what? I love you. I love you. And I care for you. And guess what? We're going to fix this problem. We're going to fix this issue. We're going to address it instead of just popping off and being angry. Choose our words carefully. We can either build each other up with them or we can tear each other down. If we wait and we are careful with our words, we will build each other up. We will build each other up if we will carefully choose our words. Third is to desire peace. What does James say? He says, hey, listen, be quick to listen, understand the situation. Be slow to speak. In other words, choose slow slowly and carefully choose your words, but then desire peace. It says slow to become angry. If I understand the situation, if I am slow to give you my response, then guess what? I'm going to be naturally slow to become angry. A guy sitting at a bar once said this, and I quote, it is easy to restrain our wrath when the other fellow is bigger. Think about that. That's good stuff right there. Write that down. All right? Next time you're at the bar, just remember, it is easy to restrain your anger and your wrath when the other fellow is bigger. It says this in Proverbs 4, verse 4. This is in the ESV. It says, Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds, and be silent. I really like what Scripture says right there. James tells us, said, be slow to anger. If you go back, I'm sorry, I said Proverbs, it's Psalms. It says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your hearts on your beds and be silent. What does that mean? It simply means this. Is it okay to be angry? Sure. You can be, there's stuff that's going to happen that, that's going to cause you to kind of get a little worked up. But what does it say in Psalms? It says, examine yourself, examine your motives, consider your ways, double check your direction, ponder in your hearts on your beds and be silent. In other words, just kind of step back from the situation and go, you know what? Let's assess the situation and see what is happening. Could your anger lead somebody to change their heart towards God or lead them towards God? Generally, it's the latter. When we become angry, what we do and what we say pushes people away from God. Yet God desires the latter. He wants us to draw people to him. He wants us to point people to him. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace and uh, with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see 
the Lord. Scripture encourages us to suppress those corrupt uh, things in our lives, to lay those things aside. If you look in verse 20, it says, because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. In other words, there are things in our hearts, things in our lives that cause us to react. There are sinful things in our life that cause us to react. First uh, Peter 2, 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation. Now that you have tasted, the Lord is good. What does James encourage us to do? In James 1, 21, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Part of the ingredients of anger do not produce righteousness. It is that moral filth. It is that evil. It is that malice. It is that deceit. Anger does not solve Problems. If anything, sometimes we get angry, it causes even more of a problem. It causes even more of an issue. Have we not talked about trials and tribulations over the past couple weeks? Anger can be just a very short trial or tribulation that we go through. And it can be something that we need to address. So I just want to encourage you, and we're going to talk more about this whole issue, but as we begin in that man be slow to speak man listen and find out the whole situation and then be slow to actually become angry because if we actually think about it if we actually kind of sit down and be calm and talk through it guess what at the very end we we there there might not be anything we we need to be angry about we've gotten worked up over nothing so i just want to encourage you that and then as we look at the very last part real quick, we need to practice, practice, practice. It says, do not merely listen to the word in verse 22. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at the face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately re- forgets what he looks like. But whatever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do that, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They are blessed in what they do. True Christianity is not a religious experience, gentlemen. It is a relational lifestyle with Jesus Christ. And so when we read this passage, when we read these final closing verses in James chapter 1, if we're going to sum it all up, and I know we're done with our time, if we're going to sum it all up, here's what it says. And I'm paraphrasing, but this is what James is telling us. He's saying, guys... It is not enough just to come in and listen. It is good that you listen. Glad that you're listening. But now, put it to work. It does us no good to listen to a good sermon and then not apply it to our lives. It does no good to read Scripture and then not apply it to your life. You've got to take what God is telling you, what God is teaching you, what you are hearing, what you are listening to, and then apply it to your life. And guys, just naturally, we are doers. That is what we do. We like to do things. 
We want to do things. I was talking with a guy right over here and he just had surgery on his shoulder. And I was like, dude, I don't know how, how are you able to just kind of sit around right now? And he said, I said, I don't know. He said, but I just, I got to sit around long enough in order to heal. And I'd be like, man, I'd just be jittery all the time. I'd have to be what? As a guy doing something. And scripture is all about application. It is not good that we just sit here and we listen. But gentlemen, do something. What is Paul or what is James writing right now? Hey, listen, let's address this issue of anger. A lot of you in here, <coughs> you might be sitting there going, you know what? Scripture is right. I do need to listen to the situation. I do need to be slow to talk. You know what? I might need to lay down at night and instead mull over a situation before I pop off. And you write that down and say, oh, this is all great information. But if you don't take it and do something with it, actually apply it to your life, then what is the point, guys? Right? What is the point? Why are you even here? I mean, we could be sleeping right now. I could be sleeping right now. The point of showing up here is not just to learn. It is to take what you've learned and apply it. Practically speaking, that's what makes Scripture, that's what makes Christianity different from every other religion. It is because we take what God has taught us and what He is teaching us and we apply it to our daily life. Uh, just real quick, Romans 2.13. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight. You hear that? It's not those who just hear it. Just showing up, listening to a good sermon, listening to a good Bible study, that's not it. But it is those who obey the law who will declare righteousness. Let me read it to you in the ESV. I like it a little bit better. It says this. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Look at this in uh, Luke 11, 28 and, uh, 27 and 28. Jesus is talking to a crowd. There is a woman. She stands up and she calls out in verse 27. Blessed is the mother who gave birth and nursed you. And Jesus replied and he said this. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God. And what does it say? Obey it. Even Jesus points out and says, hey, it's great that you listen. But I want you to do it. I want you to obey it. And how? How great is it that James talks about anger and then he moves right into this very last section and he says, now obey it. Now do it. Don't just hear it, but now go and do it. Um, guys, there are some of you here, you might be struggling with the whole issue of anger. Let me tell you what. Um, uh, you can beat that battle. You can beat it. Um, we have some care groups that can help you with that. I love to sit down and talk with you and how to handle that. Um, but it, it, it is an issue. And if you read the stats, it, it, it's pretty scary how many just dudes struggle with this issue. And so uh, I just, I just want to encourage you. There is help. And I tell you what, the best thing you can do is simply follow God's word. Consciously follow God's word. Somebody begins to make you mad. You know what you do? What's the situation? Let me get back to you. Let me choose my words carefully. Let me ponder that. Then let me come back and not react, but rather respond. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you that we could open up your word. Father, I ask that we would, um, 
we would obey your word. In other words, we would follow what your word says and do what your word says. God, um, um, we just don't want to sit here and learn uh, because it does us no good if we don't apply it. And so, Father, um, may we walk out of this room being more obedient men to you. And by obedience, may we do what your word tells us to do. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, y'all have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.